Hey everyone, welcome back to Dreams and Screams, the podcast. I'm Tammy. And I'm Ashley. And Ashley is going to walk us through her story this week. I'm actually really excited. I know I don't know what she's doing, so. I actually stayed on the trend of hometown or like home state. Again, there's so many that come out of the New England area that I found a couple that were still really interesting to me. So I'm like, let me just keep following this little thread. That Let's keep it going. Yeah. I like it. Really interesting stuff. So today I'm going to tell you the story about how a witch solved a woman's murder. We're in Salem, Massachusetts. It is July 1991. Martha Brailsford, she was a beloved artist and local. I read that she was an interior designer even. Oh, that's cool. She was 37. Her neighbor, Tom Mamoni, he was 46. I'm unsure if neighbor is used loosely and he's a neighbor in the community or if it means literally they lived adjacent. Oh yeah, like was maybe he lived down the street or yeah. something. But he was her neighbor. Again, she's a beloved artist. She's a local in the community. I think she was very friendly to everybody. Still a small town. At that time, Tom had opened up to her about how he had recently lost his wife to cancer. Uh, but however, this was just one of the many lies he told. In fact, his fourth wife was very much so alive. She was not. She did not die from cancer. So on July 12, 1991, after, you know, Again, this relationship, if they're neighbors, they've probably seen each other, waved. Maybe they've shared a cup of iced tea. Who knows? Not not speculating, but just trying to paint a picture of what potentially could have happened. She agreed to go sailing on his boat. What was interesting was, so Martha was a married woman. So for me reading this, it's like, okay, this was a friendly exchange. Okay, yeah. I was going to ask if it was a date, yeah, but I guess no. not. So it must have been a friendly exchange from the outsider point of view because naturally like immediately i was like were they close friends was this a relationship she must have felt comfortable with him to go on this boat yeah you don't go Especially on a alone. boat with a stranger so she knew him enough to, to, to trust feel comfortable, him yeah again this is 2023 so we've been taught to question everything you know yeah. um every single move angle motive we're like you picked up that thing weird, you know? So maybe they were just neighbors and she felt for him and his story. And sure, absolutely. Like you're lonely, you know, I'll, I'll go on the boat with you. Cool. So immediately when he comes back and they realize Martha's not with him, the community and the husband are like, what do you mean? There's a lot of allegations that he will say later, but just initially she's missing. So in the coming days, they search high and low in the town of Salem. Uh, so they do report her missing to the police? The husband does report her to the police. He was questioned. So they questioned Mamoni and he first denied it, saying, in fact, I never went sailing with her. What the fuck? Yeah, I never went sailing with her. And he even went on, there was a quote, she's married, so that wouldn't look good. That's just weird to say. After that, nobody really believed that. And eventually he leaned into his initial story about how and this is the story that will be told multiple times in different ways, was a rogue wave knocked into the mast and then knocked her overboard near Gloucester. And he claimed that he froze in fear, but looked for her all night sailing the bay, you know, the bay. However, never called the Coast Guard, never radioed it in, anything like that. But additional versions of his accounts will be later revealed. Police continued to gain witness accounts that they actually had seen her get on the boat. There were later accounts of witnesses um, even saying they saw her on the boat slip with 
Mamoni. So she clearly got on the boat that day. But the police searched the bay high and low and they weren't finding anything. It said police boats crossed back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Again, he told them she fell overboard in the Gloucester Harbor. This is when one of the lead police investigators turns to Lori Cabot. Lori Cabot was known as the official witch of Salem. She's world renowned for her magic and psychic abilities to locals and alike. To touch on that for a moment, because we're in Salem. I was like, that's a large title. So I was like, that's a very large title. Like, hold on for a second. But according to what I read that in the 70s, she was given by the governor a Patriots Award, which is given to a citizen who is committed to the betterment of the community and enrichment of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, It stated she was named the official witch of Salem for her work with children with special needs. Oh, that's a big deal. And like, not what I I was like, I got to dig into this a little more because obviously that was like a left turn like woman missing man not really telling the same story let's go talk to a witch yeah according to her to a biography page about her this was the first time in history that a high-standing politician openly recognized a witch for their good work that's fucking cool yeah i was like this again wild like where did this come from totally left field when this police detective called her she asked for only martha's date of birth name and location supposedly that's when she went into what we'll explain a little bit later is her alpha state um and she had a vision of what happened to martha and her potential whereabouts side tangent is i've found a couple stories that have these like either people dreaming about something and then finding it so i almost kind of want to keep going down this trail because it seems like it could be a whole segment Lori's vision she sees tom sexual advances on martha who up until that point was very naive in the understandings of what tom's intentions were she goes on to say that she sees martha deny his advances and that angers tom that tracks. Yeah. He takes her to the side of the boat and strikes her over the head. In her vision, she continues to see weights pressed on Martha's body and Tom tying a small anchor to her feet before tossing her overboard. Oh my God, that's terrible. She also described where her body was underwater. She specifically said she sees her body underwater, offshore, off of a small island with a small lighthouse, like in sight, in view. So to go back for a moment, simultaneously, while police investigator is talking to Lori and gathering this information, the police are still investigating um, Tom and everything. And simultaneously, multiple women start coming out of the woodwork, reporting they've also been invited on the boat. And he's also made sexual advances to them once they were at sea. What a fucking creep. So same events happening. Yeah, it's a pattern. All the details stringing together. On July 18th, so this is six days after her initial disappearance, Brailsford, her remains were found by a fisherman. He was off the coast of Marblehead and he was lobstering. She was entangled in the nets and the traps. Oh no. She was naked and she had been scavenged to nearly skeletal remains. So in just looking at like a map, he was sending them much more north. I think trying to send them off the track when he had actually just not far off from where they left disposed of her body in the water. The manner in which she was found matches almost exactly to what Lori Cabot's vision was. Mm-hmm. Anchor, anchor attached to the feet, weighted with a diving belt around her waist. So she said she had visions of her body being weighted down around her body mm-hmm. so diving belt around her waist and she had sustained blunt force trauma blows to her skull and her jaw a total number of five in the autopsy it showed later that there was bleeding like under the scalp but ultimately that the drowning 
was the possible. I was going to ask. That's so upsetting. Yeah. Took his victims out there knowing they can't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, she was unconscious. Now he dumps her over. But ultimately, could she have survived if she hadn't been in the middle of the harbor? You know? And waited down. And waited down. Yeah, of course. With the facts up until this point, all signs lead to Tom. Like, it's almost no mystery. There is no yeah. mystery around this. Everything is Tom. But by this point, he's fled. He's had enough time now to freak out. Oh, my God. He's given them two versions of the story already. We He said, I was never with her. And then, well, I was with her, but she, you know, fell overboard. That's ridiculous. They should have at least been surveilling him. Yeah. I actually think there may have, now that I'm saying this out loud, I think there may have even been like a 2.1 where he says, well, she came back, but, or I, I dropped her off at another slip, you know, at another port. No story that he's telling is consistent. Yeah, none of it adds up also. Yeah. So he's fled. No one knows his whereabouts. So the search didn't stop didn't stop there. And in fact, Lori doubled down with the police. She was like, I want to help. Oh, snap. So this is where, again, I was like, I'll explain a little bit more. So she went back into her alpha state. What that is for her is her calm trance-like state where she can evoke visions of things that have happened. She sees him frantic, scared, and trying to decide where to go. She sees him ultimately deciding trying to go north towards Canada. And she sees him shaving off his mustache in an attempt to alter his appearance of course you know because it's that whole sunglasses thing like we won't know who you are if you have sunglasses on i guess and in pictures he literally is the straight up top mustache and like hair at the sides of the head bald at the top oh my god so it's not like you change your appearance that much you know he should have always shaved those sides sorry creepy looking but she offers to the police to cast a spell to aid the investigation She makes a straw doll. So I guess like visual wise, some sort of like voodoo-esque looking doll, but makes a straw doll and she binds it with twine and she projected him to do something stupid to get caught. She didn't cast any kind of crazy spell, like just something helpful. Yeah, just something helpful. Again, she's trying to help the police. He was, in fact, found days later on July 20th near the border of Canada in a cabin in Maine. And it was interesting or funny because a local couple notices their neighbor's home who wasn't in town the neighbor wasn't home that the lights were on and there was a strange car that they'd never seen in the driveway when the police arrived there were signs of forced entry and he had in fact shaved his mustache oh my god that's yeah. crazy you know of course we can't say that the spell has any relevance or if it was chance or coincidence I mean, she was pretty on point. But he though. did do some stupid shit. <laughs> you know, like in the end of the day, small towns, those people notice these things, right? Um, yeah. Honestly, you gotta love nosy neighbors because if something weird's happening at your house, they're gonna be the first ones yeah. to notice. Yeah. So they notice something out of the ordinary. I mean, even when I moved recently in the last, you know, four years, my neighbors scoped me out for like two weeks. Like, who's this girl with her dog? You know, like making sure I wasn't some random in the neighborhood. Oh my God, absolutely. In 1993, a trial in Newburyport Superior Court, he took the stand in his own defense and basically was confronted with his own lifetime of lies, ranging from his number of educational background, his career, to his marriages, just manipulations in his own life. So he's kind of a con artist. Yeah, a full con artist. In fact, that fourth wife that he claimed was dead by cancer, had no idea he had been married four times. And she was married to him. Oh, my God. Yeah, she thought he w- she was his second wife. <gasps> 
Oh, yeah. Ladies, so she was not aware at you all. You gotta do your research. Yeah, she was not aware at all. So even in his closest relationship, his lies ran deep. In court, he then claimed to have multiple interlocking personality disorders, which caused him to be oh my compelled God. to lie. All Keep that being it to yourself, said, buddy. Yeah. Jesus Christ, no one believes you at this point. <laughs> exactly. All that being said, his claims of accident, all of his lies were rejected. Two women appeared in court to detail their versions of the events and the encounters with Mamoni. These events uh, apparently were only days before Martha had been on the boat. Her going on the boat on the 11th and them going on the boat, it was like the 8th and the 9th. So truly just days before. Wow. Yeah. It seems like what was the mo- like motive to have all these women on your boat? In court and the documents after speaking with these women say that he was almost in like a state of like sexually aggressive state. Apparently, he had spoken of other sexual encounters he had on the boat and was even sailing naked with an erection. Oh, what a creep. Yeah, so he was like luring them onto his boat and then either like explicitly telling them about his sexual endeavors and or naked around the bay. So he was like a weird exhibitionist with some fantasies, but like... Yes, that and ultimately with the intent to assault them what a creep one of the women he did end up assaulting her held her against her will literally held her he was naked apparently and like held against her his body against her will until she continued to beg him to take her back and and he did he clearly escalated in his behavior from just exposing himself to sharing his deviant fantasies with someone to holding someone against her will but returning them to then murdering right so it's a clear escalation then even in court more things seem to come out so what was interesting was that two of the jurors that were supposed to be on the case excused themselves because they had seen Mamoni out in the community and then this one blew my mind the court stenographer actually also asked to be excused because he had even approached her in the community oh my god so so he was like just fucking going all around town like like. on the prowl so he was a town creep town creep pathological liar manipulator murderer murderer now yeah he tried to convince the parole board that the events never took place he even filed lawsuits for retaliatory harassment and then claimed to have no recollection so he can't keep his story straight one for himself no he's just a liar (laughs) he can keep the story straight he just doesn't want to so he was found of found guilty in the court for second degree murder and sentenced to a life in prison he was 46 when the murder of martha took place so with it being set second degree murder he was eligible for parole after 15 years fuck i hate this yeah but ultimately he had three unsuccessful parole hearings. Thank fucking God. Yeah, because ultimately, again, pathological liar. So as I mentioned, additional accounts of his stories evolve, which I'll continue to go over. So there was, a, I believe it was like the fourth or the fifth version um, where he did end up finding her, pulled her aboard, desperately tried to resuscitate her through mouth to mouth and CPR. But ultimately, he could not bear to have her dead body on board. So that's why he he weighted her down and tossed her into the water. Yeah, okay. Lies. Absolute lies. At one of the hearings, he later had the balls to blame the husband and say that if Brian, her husband's name was Brian, 
he knew that she was on the boat that day. And the second he realized he, she was missing, he should have had basically an army or flock of boats out looking for his wife. But my thought when I read that was she was already dead at that point. So what's your what point are you trying to make by saying he should have been out looking for her? They did, but he would have still found his wife dead. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe it was a misguided angle for him to feed his own ego to feel better. Well, he's trying to blame someone else. Yeah. In 2017, at the age of 72, he dies in prison of illness, like natural illness. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so he's dead. Yeah, the asshole's dead. Up until his death, he continued to claim he had done nothing wrong. That's why he didn't get parole, probably. Yeah. Because you have to, like, admit to your... have to show some signs of remorse for your crime. And I think they need to know that you could reenter society as a functioning, yeah. uh, functioning well, rehabilitated. Yeah. So again, up until that point, he insisted he had done nothing wrong other than panic during a rogue wave event um, that took her overboard. A one source did say he quoted, she said, I am alone responsible, but not by malice. Like I did not attack her. She did die. He had ownership over the action of concealment of the event was basically what his stance was. I did cover it up, but it was because I freaked out. He also said he has led a life of deception and lies, but he was not sure where it came from as he led a healthy upbringing. Uh, So he was just the pathological. Yeah. The husband, the family, I think everybody involved that knew Martha, they were tired of attending these hearings because they were happening like every five years and the ever changing details from Also like to give this asshole that much attention every time he has like a new story. Court documents from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts Parole Board did call him a pathological liar and said that there was no way he would follow terms of parole, citing his inability to repeat or state any truth in the involvement, which makes him a very very dangerous person. Thank God for once they don't let this assholes out of prison. Yeah, I feel like just the continued change of his story. Obviously, there's no there was no remorse in the sense it took no responsibility so tried to change the story tried to conceal it some of my sources i actually watched um some clips from an unsolved murder segment this was on um where they first dove into they featured this story um and highlighted Lori. she continued to try to aid the community and the police in additional cases after this so she really is like a a great person in, in the salem community The police made note that regardless of what she calls herself, if she has relevant information that's going to help them solve cases, that they're willing to listen and they're grateful um, for her role in the community. Yeah. She also makes a statement along the same lines, just stating that she's there to do good. I think there's maybe a misconceptions everybody's got their own beliefs around specific words of course but she rocks man yeah she's doing good stuff so i did a little bit of extra digging on her just because i was like who is this woman like what else so she is the owner of if you're ever in salem you know check this out um i have never been to salem but i want to go as a this is a really wild thing that i'm from massachusetts and i've never gone so we should go we need to go we for sure need to go she is the owner of a shop called Enchanted, a magical shop in Salem, which she runs and owns with her daughter. Um, They offer handmade magical items, books. They feature local artisans, um, as well as there are classes. And she does like tarot and psychic sessions. Oh, that's cool. 
Um, it is marked as like an authentic witch shop and experience. She's also a published author and it's a teacher. Some additional articles, the Salem News reporter Julie Manganis. I'm sorry if I say that wrong. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts parole hearing documents, which were crazy to read. This story was actually made into a book. I did not read the book fully, but some excerpts, The Scream on the Water, the story of murder in Salem by Margaret Press and Joan Noble Pinkman. He actually sued Margaret Press and tried to like basically say like, you're telling facts about my story or whatever. And then when it came up again, he said he had no recollection, I believe of, and she's like, you did sue me. Oh my and he God. had no recollection of it, it was wild. It was also featured on an episode of Your Worst Nightmare, Waterfowl in 2014. And Matt Aaron, com and Lori Cabot in her namesake website. That is a crazy yeah. story. It became pretty like, I don't want to say notorious, but it from what I've, I found a lot of articles like covering it and stories, TV, books. It seems like it was a pretty big deal. I don't obviously remember because I was I was young, so I wouldn't have known it back then. Wow. A witch solves the case. Yeah, a I witch like solves the case. That's, of course, when I read that, I was like, wait, I got to know more. I'm just, again, very happy that he didn't get out of prison. Stay tuned for more stories to come. If you're liking the show, don't forget to rate, like, follow, subscribe. Yeah, leave share. a comment, share with your besties, share with us, DM us, or email us at dreamsandscreamspod at gmail.com. And thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye-bye.